0: You're listening to Artistic Finance, Show 85. On today's show, I chat with crypto expert Naja Roberts. We discuss cryptocurrency what it is, how to purchase it, when to buy, why Bitcoin is the only crypto to invest in, what financial advisors are advising about Bitcoin and how I, Ethan Steimel, am a sitting duck for hackers, and what I need to do to protect my .01682 Bitcoin. Now after the episode, if you want to know a bit more about Bitcoin, over on Patreon, I have recorded an audiobook of the Bitcoin white paper. It's a half an hour audiobook on what makes Bitcoin, Bitcoin, written by its inventor, Satoshi Nakamoto. Check that out over at patreon.com slash artistic finance. Without further ado, let's get to the show. You're listening to Artistic Finance Podcast, where your host, Ethan Steimel, interviews successful artists, leaders, and investors to help educate and inspire artists to grow their wealth. Welcome and thank you for listening. I'm your host, Ethan Steimel, and today we're honored to have Naja Roberts on the show. Welcome, Naja.
1: Thank you. Thank you for having me.
0: Now, we're recording this on January 11th, 2022, and a friendly reminder from me to you to invest your money because saving is important, but investing that savings is just as important to fight our arch nemesis, Inflation. And remember our saying, if you're not investing, you're dying. And today is a great day to not die. And you can do that by reviewing your investment plan. And if you don't have one, today is an ideal day to sketch one out. And it could be as simple as save $100 on the first day of the month and put it in the S&P 500. And I personally prefer smaller, more frequent payments. So it could also be save $25 a week and put it in the S&P 500. But whatever strategy you prefer, it will likely involve dollar cost averaging into your investments. And after today's conversation, one of those investments might be cryptocurrency. And speaking of, let's get to our crypto guest, Nausea. So thank you for joining us. Can you tell us a bit about yourself?
1: Thank you again. And that was incredible advice as an ex-financial advisor. Uh, myself, I would just love to say that that was just spot on. So I hope your listeners are really taking heed to what you're saying. And one of the biggest things that we know is that people say knowledge is power, family. But what we know is applied knowledge is power. So apply that knowledge that Ethan just gave you, and I think it will go a long way. So with that, uh, my name is Naja Roberts. I am the owner of Crypto Blockchain Plug, like you plug something in the wall. And we are a over-the-counter cryptocurrency exchange. Now, you all may know that most cryptocurrency exchanges, not most, all of them except for mine are online. 100%. But we decided to have a brick and mortar so that we could really educate our community on cryptocurrency, how it worked. Because we were prior financial advisors, we know that people need hands-on experience, hands-on customer service. And so uh, we do that for our community. And a couple
0: icebreaker questions before we get into the crypto deep dive. First, your demographics.
1: So I am located in the inner city called The Neighborhood. I'm not building Silicon Valley. I'm not building Silicon Beach. I'm building Silicon hoods across the United States. So uh, inner city dealing with individuals that are underserved or unbanked. And so we wanna make sure that we have access to cryptocurrency.
0: What is a live event that you like to experience? Ooh,
1: live experiences. I don't know if I want to disclose that because they say what happens in Vegas stays in Vegas, right? So I love people. So anywhere that there's an opportunity to really share experiences. So I stay on meetup.com and unfortunately due to COVID, there's not many meetups. So I can't wait for those days to come back.
0: Are you good or bad with money?
1: Good. I'm good with money, except when I, don't do one of my rules. As a financial advisor, you know, you you take a little uh, bits and pieces from different people's financial personalities. So one of them is if you're going to spend anything over $30, you need to talk it over with your spouse just for the fun of it. And I very rarely do that. So I guess I'm bad with money on that part, but very good with... <laughs> Figuring out how to do what you said, dollar cost average.
0: I I love that. Anything over $30, talk it over with your spouse or accountability partner. Maybe 2022. That's it for me. It works. Everybody check back in in 2023 to see if I did that. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. So we're going to talk about cryptocurrency because I did an episode on NFTs. We actually did this backward. We probably should have talked about cryptocurrency before NFTs, but now we're backtracking to learn. Another thing is that a lot of artists seem to be avoiding cryptocurrency. Probably the listeners to this show are more open to it or or interested in it than other artists, but a lot of people will sort of shut down a conversation, something about it's bad for the environment, it's just a waste of time, it's still keeping other people in power, all this sort of thing. So I want to have a conversation about it so that we can educate ourselves. And another thing I like to say is that Bitcoin, you can correct me if I'm wrong, but I think it's been around since 2008. So it's been around for a little bit of time—not a hundred years, but long enough.
1: Not a hundred years, <laughs> not five thousand years like gold either. We just had our thirteenth birthday for Bitcoin uh, this year, and so Bitcoin has been around thirteen years. It's very, very interesting the different different train of thoughts that people have as it relates to. If this cryptocurrency thing is a good thing or a bad thing, how it's hurting the environment, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, And all of those things are really, really real issues. And I think anytime anyone has a question about it, we need to really address it. So let me just share with you that there are over 15,000 cryptocurrencies out there. All cryptocurrencies are not created equal. So you've got Bitcoin, which again has been around for 13 years. Anything that is not Bitcoin is deemed a alternative coin, alternative altcoin, and that can come in the form of a cryptocurrency. And I won't start naming cryptocurrencies because we'll go down a rabbit hole. But they can be tokens. Tokens are some of the things that are being used right now uh, with NFTs. And I know you said that some of your listeners were trying to learn about NFTs. I will tell you this, put aside the NFT. Money is changing, ladies and gentlemen, whether we like it or not. Everything in this world is changing or it is dying. That is the bottom line. Money is no different. We started off in history of bartering, things like salt, stick, rocks. We moved on to things such as gold. Gold has been a store of value. Money is anything that someone is willing to trade with you or barter with you for goods and services. Gold is a scarce asset to this day. It's been around for 5,000 years. We moved on to credit cards from there. Well, we moved on before of credit cards. We had fiat, the dollar that we use right now, along with coins like dollars, pennies, nickels, quarters. Uh, then we moved to credit cards from credit cards. Ladies and gentlemen, we moved to Venmo, PayPal, Cash App, Apple Pay. That is digital money already. We're already in the digital space. The next phase in the evolution of money is cryptocurrency. So Bitcoin, something that's money that someone is willing to use to barter for goods and services. You can utilize Bitcoin. And let's talk about Bitcoin specifically right now, and then we'll get into the extras. But you can go anywhere in the world. And most places, except those who have banned Bitcoin and are doing some other things in the digital space quietly. Uh, we won't get into that, but you're able to take Bitcoin anywhere in the world and utilize it uh, in their city to actually transact and or trade it in for their local currency. Uh, it is used as money. So that is the way money is changing. When we get into the different ops coins, they have all different reasons that all coins are in existence. Some are used for money. Some are used for remittance. Some are used uh, as art pieces. <laughs> um, some are used as tokens to hold your medical records. Some are you. I mean, there's just all these different utilities in place, and so cryptocurrency is just a, I would say, asset class that all fifteen thousand plus of these coins sit under. And again, they're not all created equal. And I'm probably getting
0: too technical. And we had a guest, the NFT episode with Bob Bonio. and he sort of said, You don't really need to know all the technicals of it. You just need to know how to use it or something like that. Right. <laughs> so maybe I'm getting maybe I'm getting too technical here, but I just want to explore it so that we know I get that it's a digital money or credit, but like how does it work?
1: I'm I'm with him, but I'm gonna explain it but I'm with him, where we don't know how this cell phone works, but we know that it works and we know how to make phone calls and download apps, right? Bitcoin sits on a blockchain. It sits on its own blockchain. So in order to understand what that is, a blockchain is a type of technology that does something different than anything we've ever seen before. So blockchain is a sophisticated database. A database does four things. You can put information on the database. You share the database with other people. You can change the information on it if you'd like. And you can delete information if you don't want anybody to see it. The blockchain doesn't allow for that. The blockchain only does two things. You input information on it and it stores it for everybody to see. You cannot alter it. You cannot change it. You cannot delete it period. We're talking about the Bitcoin blockchain. On that blockchain, Bitcoin is an application that sits on it and it's designed to be pure peer-to-peer money. Inside of that app, it has the ability to do what is called a smart contract, meaning if you pay the money for the Bitcoin, then you get the Bitcoin allocation into your Bitcoin wallet. Bitcoin has its own blockchain. Well, let's move to some of these other coins and tokens. They have their own blockchain. Bitcoin is the only blockchain that is not controlled by a centralized third party. And I have to make sure that we're clear because there are several other tokens out there whose blockchains have been built by companies and individuals. We know who they are. And not necessarily that they control them all the way. However, if people are in court, that means somebody's in control of it, right? And I'm not talking about Mr. Wright, who said he's the creator of Bitcoin. We're not talking about him. He has some other issues going on. (laughs) And I won't talk bad about the brother because I may see him soon. So, um, but there's blockchains that have been created now that have the smart contract element and they used it, that smart contract is what actually the token that is being held has this smart contract element. So if you buy this piece of art, if then you own this token, you get it? So the smart contract holds the if then concept inside of it. Kind of like escrow. If you have the money, You put it in escrow to buy the house. And if you have the title, you become the owner and the if then happens. So this token functions kind of like an escrow. If you have the money, if you have the art, then you swap. One holds the actual token and one then has the money aspect of it because they've been paid out of it. I hope that makes it a little bit simpler to understand.
0: I feel like that was a great overview we'll all remember that that's the technical explanation and that we really don't need to worry about that. Right.
1: But, but I want to make sure, cause I'm all about making sure we get the basics. So it's a, if then, because it's in this smart contract. So you'll hear people say, Oh, it's on such and such blockchain. And there's a smart contract. That smart contract is written up with certain conditions. And if these conditions are met, then, this item then belongs to you in a change hands
0: and that is all cryptocurrencies, or only the ones that are not bitcoin that
1: is all cryptocurrencies, but people don't even talk about the fact that Bitcoin actually does have smart contract capabilities. People just didn't use it because they thought it was slow or it cost too much to transact. Then they came up with Ethereum, then they came up with Solano, then they came up with thousands of different uh, use cases. So every cryptocurrency has a different use case, in my opinion. One thinks it's better, more scalable, it's faster, it's cheaper, it's whatever it is. That's why it's the alternative to Bitcoin.
0: So another thing I hear about a lot with cryptocurrency is mining. Do I need to know about mining or how to mine?
1: Well, no, because if you go and you take out your Visa card at the grocery store and you buy that loaf of bread. You don't actually know how Visa works, but you're able to utilize it, right? Visa is equivalent to mining. Mining has two components. I'm doing a whole lot of education here. So mining has two components. The first component is to create the Bitcoin, right? They create the Bitcoin with hashing power. The easiest way to help explain that is There are these complex mathematical equations that have to be solved. And every time one of the miners solves that equation, a Bitcoin is born into existence. That happens about every 10 minutes, a a Bitcoin is mine. Actually, every 10 minutes, 6.25 coins is mine. Whoever has the most computing power and is able to solve these mathematical equations, gets the reward of the Bitcoin. Okay, that's layer one of what miners do. Layer two of what miners do is equivalent to Visa. The miners verify the transactions. So if Naja wants to send Ethan 100 Bitcoin, the miners verify that Naja actually had $100 worth of Bitcoin to send to Ethan. Once they verify that transaction, just like Visa, they take a little piece of the pie. You don't see it when you buy that bread at the grocery store with Visa, but the grocery store sees that percentage that Visa gets off every single transaction. The miners get a little bit of that transaction every time a transaction is done on the blockchain because they're verifying it to make sure by looking at the blockchain that everything is copacetic and that I haven't stolen the Bitcoin from somewhere or I'm not trying to double-spend Bitcoin that I've already sold. They help do that with their computers, if that makes sense.
0: Yeah, that actually makes sense. That's interesting. So every time I transact a Bitcoin, people that are verifying that transaction are getting a little cut of it?
1: Yes, we pay mining fees. Visa does it. MasterCard does it. American Express does it. The only difference is they write it into the price of your bread and you never see it. When you're transacting with cryptocurrency, everything is transparent. You see it and you know it's there. It's right there in your face and you see it in every transaction. Amazing.
0: So if I go to the grocery store, everything in the grocery store is marked up 5% to pay for the credit card fees, and then Bitcoin is the same way, only they itemize it, so we're seeing that.
1: Right. And it tells you right at the time of transaction what you're paying for the miner's fee.
0: Okay, so I don't need to know how to mine. That's done by people with computers and who are good with, or who have lots of computers, something like that, good with math. (laughs) So before this started, I mentioned to you that I had $1,000 of Bitcoin, and we actually bought that for the podcast back in May as a a way to just track an investment. So we're tracking that $1,000. So I guess maybe I have a wallet because I own $1,000.
1: So maybe you do and maybe you don't. So maybe you went to a place like Gemini, or you went to a place like Kraken or Binance or Coinbase, and maybe you bought $1,000 worth of Bitcoin. Well, guess what? You bought that Bitcoin for them because you don't own it Because you don't have it in your personal possession. There is a saying, not your keys, not your coin. And when you buy Bitcoin, there are these private keys that you have. Binance holds them or Coinbase or Kraken or Gemini holds them if you bought it on their platform. And until you log into their platform, extract it from their platform, they literally hold your private keys. In order for you to hold your own keys, you have to have your own wallet. So what does that look like? Edge wallet is a wallet that you can hold your own Bitcoin. Exodus wallet, moon wallet, trust wallet, blue wallet. There's hundreds of wallets out there where you can own and custody your own Bitcoin. So you would want to get it and move it to either one of those wallets or a wallet, a cold storage device, which is an actual physical device, and that is a ledger or a trezor.
0: What's a trezor?
1: Trezor, T-R-E-Z-O-R. Trezor is a cold storage device. It looks like, and I know your viewers cannot see, but it's the size of your thumb. That looks like this.
0: Yeah, like double the size of a thumb drive.
1: This is a trezor. But this one is the size of my thumb. This is a ledger.
0: Okay, I wouldn't be able to tell the difference between that and a thumb drive.
1: You wouldn't. That's why you can jump on a plane and have $10 million and nobody would ever know it. Because it's on this fabulous little device that you just pop in and put on your lanyard.
0: Okay, that is a thumb drive, is all I'm saying. You're calling it a Trezor. I'm calling that a thumb drive. Well,
1: this, well, that's the name brand. The name brand is Trezor. Uh, you can see that. Okay, yeah, yeah. And this name brand is Ledger. Oh, it's called
0: Ledger. <laughs> I was thinking it's a Ledger. It's brand name No, is yeah,
1: the, the brand name is Ledger and Trezor.
0: Okay, just out of curiosity, how, much, how many Bitcoins could you fit onto one of those?
1: So the Bitcoin is actually not stored on the device. So let me let me help you with that. Remember I told you this blockchain is where the Bitcoin sits. In order to access the Bitcoin on the blockchain, you've got to log into your Kraken account and say I want to move my Bitcoin. So then Kraken goes in the blockchain, sends it from here to another place on the blockchain that is controlled and open by this device. So this device is what allows you to get into the blockchain. It's not stored on here. This holds your passwords and your keys to get in it. So, if you think of the blockchain as your house, you can give people the address to your house, but you don't give them your private keys to get in. This generates your private keys to keep the bad guys out of the blockchain to get your Bitcoin. Does that make sense?
0: Yes. And I realized that the people who said I didn't know what NFTs were, I don't know what (laughs) cryptocurrency is either because I've been imagining these (laughs) imaginary coins like that. I'm taking the chain of data and putting it on my thumb drive, but I'm not. That's all just stored in the cloud. Yes. And then I'm accessing it with my password.
1: Accessing it with your passwords and your usernames. You're going to hear all these different things. They call them seed words. They call them mnemonic phrases. They can either be 12 or 24. Like there's all these things that you need to learn. You're not going to get it in one podcast session. It is something that you're really going to have to spend some time educating yourself on. But just know if I have my seed words and I wrote my seed words down or, and they're my safe, or I stored them safely and securely someplace else, and I go off on a boat and drop this in the water, I still have access to the blockchain. Because I have those seed words written down, I access the blockchain with the seed words. This device is just the conduit to help me. So, what I do is I go and buy another one of these devices. I will plug it in and it says, Are you getting a new device or do you have words that you need to reconciliate? Let's just say it that way. And I would say, I'm reconciliating. And maybe the word is wood, plan, water, speaker, cell phone, cell. Phone, I will put those words in, and it allows me to access the blockchain to move my Bitcoin now. Maybe from this device, uh, from this part of the blockchain, maybe into another wallet.
0: So I have a thousand dollars worth of Bitcoin in Coinbase. Don't tell me. Oh, don't tell you. No, no, no. It's uh, everybody on this show knows already. Okay. Oh, you know okay. what? If you want to rob, if you're smart enough to hack me, it's all yours.
1: So let me tell your listeners this. Right now, you have $1,000 in Coinbase. No big deal, right? But what if Bitcoin reaches a million dollars? That $1,000 is a big deal. And you've put yourself out there that you own $1,000 in, in, on Coinbase. So what I'm telling you and your listeners, that security is critically important. Not today, because our amount of Bitcoin is so minuscule. But in the future, when Bitcoin is a million or two million or twenty million, or a hundred million for that matter, per Bitcoin, it's gonna matter. So don't share with him just like you wouldn't say, "Oh, yeah, over in Chase, I've got sixty thousand dollars sitting in Chase. You wouldn't do that because it's a bank. Bitcoin is your money in whatever banking institution on the crypto side you put it in. I don't want to say that we're banking institutions, but Coinbase, Kraken, Binance, all of those are considered exchanges, kind of quote unquote little Bitcoin banks. So don't tell anybody how much Bitcoin you ever hold. It's none of their business, except for the fact that you're doing an experiment. Uh, When I was a financial advisor, we put $100,000 in the bank on January 1st. And by December the 31st, I had a whole hot $5 added to my $100,000. And I was proving to folks that this is ridiculousness. All
0: right, well, the cat's out of the bag. (laughs) When I got this amount in some institution, okay, Coinbase, $1,000, they didn't have wallets. And a couple months ago, I get a notification and it says, Coinbase now offers wallets. I created a wallet. How much do I want to expose here? I took a screenshot of my words, that seed phrase, those seed words. So I have them somewhere, but I don't think I've moved. Well, maybe you can tell me. My $1,000 that was pre-wallet, I never moved that into the wallet. Do I need to do that?
1: You definitely need to do that, but I would suggest you get some new seed words. And do you want to know why? Why? Because you took a picture, and where is all of our information stored? In the cloud on Google, and some nefarious employee could possibly get a hold of it.
0: <sighs> all right, you are making cryptocurrency sounding complicated to me.
1: <laughs> with with <laughs> much responsibility, I, I, uh, becomes much responsibility. You are your own bank.
0: First of all, I need to put it in a wallet, but, but before I put it in, in that wallet, I need to get a new seed phrase for, for my wallet. And write that down somewhere. And I should probably open that wallet, not on Coinbase, because everybody listening knows that. So on some new wallet, and then I need to put my $1,000 from Coinbase into that new wallet.
1: Yes. Let me say this, because I don't want you to feel like it's complicated. Would you, right now today, get a ATM card in the mail, take a picture of the pen word, the pen? Would you take a picture of the pen and keep it on your cell phone? Uh... I write it down somewhere
0: on the computer. (laughs) (laughs) I'm going to get hacked so badly after this episode. Yes. Oh, boy.
1: Like security is utmost important for your regular banking and for your crypto. So I don't want you to feel like it's hard because it's not. It's just really regular best business practices. The same thing you wouldn't do with your regular bank, you wouldn't do in the cryptocurrency space. So I wouldn't take a picture of my PIN number. I wouldn't write the PIN number on the back of my card either.
0: I don't do that. I don't Like
1: do- <laughs> those are the, just, just some of the general things that you like, you literally, you just wouldn't do. And in this space, you have to be a little more financially safe because bad actors know what this is going to be worth in the very, very near future. I mean, all jokes aside, they know that this is the asset that is going to take over because money is changing. And the more of it they have, the more money that they're going to be worth in the very near future. And so they're looking for vulnerabilities because they know that people are new and they don't know any better. And so that's the bottom line to this. Okay, if somebody doesn't own any
0: cryptocurrency right now and they're listening to this thinking, wait, she just said it could be worth a hundred million dollars a coin one day. And so they're thinking, oh, I do need some cryptocurrency. What would be the safest and easiest way to get some?
1: I would tell you to listen to what Ethan told you at the beginning of this podcast and dollar cost average. And if you think it's a scam, say, hey. Can I afford to go to Starbucks today? And the answer would probably be yes. So take five to $10 instead of going to Starbucks. Go to Cash App, go to the app at the bottom of the bottom of the Cash App. You'll see a B, a funny looking B, but you'll see a B. And buy yourself five to $10 worth of Bitcoin. Do that every single week or month, five, $10. Just let it see what it does. Just see what it does, but never invest more than you can afford to lose. Just try it. Watch what it does.
0: Okay, I like that. And just to clarify, so you're, you're not saying go open a wallet, go do anything. You're just saying do it on the Cash App.
1: you got Cash App. Most Americans have Cash App. Go right inside the Cash App. Buy yourself 5 $10 worth of Bitcoin. Do it consistently every single month. Just watch it. See what it does and 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 that's acquiring yourself some bitcoin, so just like there are a hundred pennies in a dollar inside of a bitcoin, there's a hundred million small parts they're called satoshis, so you go in and buy yourself some satoshis from cash app. you don't have to have the whole forty two thousand dollars that it costs today. You can have four dollars matter of fact, on cash app, you can do it with as little as a dollar
0: all right, one dollar of. Bitcoin. I didn't even know that was possible. But it makes sense. On a dollar, how much would a transaction fee? Like if I put in a dollar, would I actually get like 98 cents worth of Bitcoin?
1: You would definitely get 98 cents. There's going to be a small little fee that you're going to pay. And that's about properly right.
0: Now, I always view cryptocurrency as an investment, something to hedge or counter inflation, or I, I don't know what, but it seems like a lot of people see it as an investment. That's how I view it. You were mentioning countries have it where you could go in and purchase something with it. Is that something I need to worry about right now? Should I try to figure out how to pay in Bitcoin?
1: Should you figure out how to try to buy things in Bitcoin? I would say not right now. I would say that Bitcoin has not reached its full potential. What I would suggest is that you stack your Bitcoin right now. And later on down the line, when Bitcoin has reached its peak. Right now we're in what we call a dip. You buy in the dip.
0: We know all about the dip because I purchased my $1,000 for this show at (laughs) $63,000 and the next week it was worth (laughs) $30,000.
1: So it dipped. But what you should have done when it did the dip, and I'm not a financial advisor anymore providing any financial advice, but when you buy something or you want to go buy something at the store, and it's a certain amount and you see it the next week and it's on sale. Do you say, oh, my God, I won't want to buy this because it doesn't lost its value? Or do you purchase it? You purchase it. You purchase maybe one or two of them because they're on sale. If I were you, I would just say, you know, this lady told me that I should be buying in the dip <laughs> and add about five dollars to that thousand. <laughs> because you'll own, you'll thank me later. I just, I promise you, you'll thank me later. But anyways, um, no, you shouldn't be really trying to figure out right now how to spend it, because Bitcoin hasn't reached its full potential. There are so many things going on in the background. Uh, As you know, El Salvador has called it legal tender. Uh, There are several other countries that are lining up to do so. People are putting Bitcoin in their treasuries. Churches are putting it in their building funds there's so many different colleges are putting like it is so there are so many people that are stacking Bitcoin right now as opposed to selling it or trying to figure out how to use it
0: so I have a little bit, and part of that reason is because i've just i hear it so much and it's like okay well i I need to be involved somehow. I also sort of think if people don't want to get into it, they can just. Continue to invest in like the stock market and hear me out and and tell me if I'm right or wrong here (laughs) because I figure every company is going to learn how to use cryptocurrency and they're going to invest in it in the infrastructure. So, in theory, they're going to be tied a little bit to cryptocurrency. So, is that a good way to look at it or no?
1: So, in theory, that's great. But I'm going to ask you if you can buy the Bitcoin. Why would you, if you can physically buy the Bitcoin, if you personally can buy it, why would you buy it through someone else that's only giving you exposure and they're getting the lion's share of the winnings?
0: My thought was because if it goes to zero, the company's probably not going to go away.
1: It's not going to zero. (laughs) I can can promise you it's not going to zero. (laughs) Listen, listen, listen. I am. I don't know if you saw that. There's a little clip that maybe you can play for your listeners. There's this little boy that says, listen, Linda, listen, Linda, just go Google. Listen, Linda, I'm telling you, listen, Ethan, it is not going to zero ever, ever, ever. I'm almost ball-headed, but never in my ball-headed life will Bitcoin go to zero ever. You just trust me. Money is changing. Bitcoin is Doing some things where it is, it is very volatile. Don't get me wrong, it is very volatile, but it is finding its base, it's finding its way, it is finding its base of users. Everybody is figuring this thing out. It's only 13 years old. We're still we just hit teenage. We didn't even, we're not even in puberty yet. Give us a chance to grow up. That's what I tell everybody. If you look at this thing, look at this technology. We're, we're, we're still young teenagers. We just got to our teens. We haven't started dating. We haven't started going through real scenarios in life, but we're getting there. Cities, uh, I'm talking to cities that are looking to make themselves have decentralized economies. Like this thing is, today we got an announcement, another football player taking his salary in Bitcoin. Like this is happening. Whether you like it or not. And the more users that are out there, the better Bitcoin is going to become and the more stable it's going to become. But in the next few years, Bitcoin is going to start to taper off. Supply versus demand is going to pop in. And if all you have is that $1,000, you're going to do great. But if you dollar cost average and took your own advice, you're going to to do so much better, so much better.
0: All right. Well, I'm uh, okay, you are very pro crypto. <laughs> very pro Bitcoin. I am.
1: Well, no 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 no, I'm not pro crypto. I'm pro Bitcoin because all cryptos are not created equal. In fact, some cryptocurrencies are kryptonite to Superman. They're bad news. So don't 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 get stuck on all those other cryptocurrencies.
0: It's just Bitcoin. Okay. A lot to say to that all. One, the mayor of New York City is taking his paychecks in Bitcoin. He also suggested buying the dip, just like you, Nash. (laughs) Buy! Another thing is, is I'll post a link to this episode, but I listened to a podcast called The Investor's Podcast. They had a guy on, and he somehow mathematically looked at Bitcoin, and he compared it to the tech adoption curve. And he said, you know, this is how people are going to adopt it, in theory, is what I think over the next 30 or so years. He somehow broke it down to, if we project into the future what it's going to go up, if every person on the planet owned some, they would own, I think it was $43. And so he said, so if you own more than $43, eventually you're going to own more than your share. The average bear. Yeah. Yep. So that was something that just stuck with me. And he, had, he said, you know, that scares me, but I see it going to a million dollars a coin. And of course, you today said maybe more than that.
1: And I do, because I won't see it in my time. I will tell you that. I won't see my prediction in my time. I don't even think my children will see it, but my children's children will see Bitcoin at a hundred million dollars. It's, it, it's incrementally, it has to happen that way, because that's how many Satoshis are inside of a Bitcoin a hundred million. And I believe whoever created it was smart enough to really understand that that divisibility is what's going to actually show up eventually in our, in our, you know, in, in this space.
0: Okay. (laughs) All right. So just to clarify, you have said, if somebody wants to get into it, but they're worried about it, they should just dollar cost average a little bit.
1: A little bit.
0: And I'm going to reinforce that because in episode 78, we had Chris Lose, who was talking about ethical investing. And he said that his ethical financial advisor <laughs> suggested that he have 3% in cryptocurrency. I, if financial advisors are saying it, I, who am I to say that they're wrong? <laughs> well,
1: guess what? His, his financial advisor is very, being very modest. We have people that come through whose financial advisors are telling them to invest 30% of their net worth, and they're not—they're bound at work. They're not able to talk about it. If you—if they're at an Edward Jones or a Charles Schwab or a Morgan Stanley, they cannot talk about Bitcoin. But they're sending their high net worth clients into us to put 30% of their portfolio in Bitcoin.
0: Okay. Noted. Noted. I'm really taking away from this episode that I need to get a little bit of
1: Bitcoin. You'll be, I'm <laughs> telling you, you got to remember this episode and say, she told me. So you got a thousand, but you can dollar cost averages. So and and do a little, just do a little bit. Like I said, just forego your favorite restaurant one month. Just, just try it.
0: And I also want to emphasize another point you made, which was Bitcoin and not cryptocurrencies. The reason I say that is because on the Investors Podcast, that's all they talk about, too, is Bitcoin. And they say not the other currencies, Bitcoin. And there's an app I have downloaded called The Black Wall Street. It's a crypto app for investing in crypto. And the only option is Bitcoin. I suspect that there's a reason that that's the only option.
1: Well, yes, you suspect it correctly. So me being the co-founder of The Black Wall Street Wallet, uh, along with actor Hill Harper, who's the founder. We really wanna make sure that our community gets this right. And I think selling some of the other cryptocurrencies would be like giving methamphetamines to our community. Uh, We know it may take away the pain, but it's not good for you, right? So we don't wanna help people take away the pain and we know it's not good for them. Uh, And taking away the pain may mean that they're getting these massive returns uh, right away. But at the end of the day, We're harming them because they don't really have what matters. Uh, and, And again, what matters is the money that people will accept for goods and services. So when you Google Airbnb right now, the biggest thing that is being asked at Airbnb is that they accept Bitcoin. If you go to Virgin Airlines, they accept Bitcoin. If you go to Overstock, they accept Bitcoin. They're not accepting all this other stuff. I'll say it that way. We call them sh- coins, by the way, but um, <laughs> they're not accepting all these other things. So why feed our community something that we know at the end of the day is not going to be worth a hill of beans. They may get a real quick burst of some bonding, but that's not what we're in this for. We're in for the long and slow and steady.
0: So also you called it the Black Wall Street wallet. Does that mean if, if I have that app, Does that mean I have a wallet?
1: Yes, you have a wallet.
0: Oh, fancy. Okay. (laughs) Yes. Could I put an NFT in that wallet or no? You
1: can't put it in that wallet, but you can. There's some other, um, the ledger, and this this is a little more technical, but you can actually put an NFT on this wallet because it's a token.
0: All right. Okay. One more question about that $1,000 we have for the podcast. Do I need to put it in a wallet or can I just let it sit in Coinbase?
1: If you let it sit in Coinbase, there's a saying, not your keys, not your coin.
0: Okay, all right.
1: There's a disgruntled Coinbase employee that has not yet been fired or kicked to the curve or called crazy or whatever, and they have not yet gone in and hacked that account. So if you leave your cryptocurrency on an exchange, it is subject to hacking. So please make sure that you understand if you don't have it, you're asking for trouble.
0: Okay. All right. Now, I'm happy that we have that Bitcoin. I have seen ads or something about people that rent out their Bitcoin. Is that something I can do or you would advise or should I just hold it and do nothing?
1: (laughs) Oh, man, you're asking me for the good. (laughs) So let's see here, family. Two parts to that. There's different companies that do this differently. If you give them your Bitcoin and you take a loan against your Bitcoin, you're giving them your private keys. They own your Bitcoin and not you. And then if the price drops such as it did today, you have to keep the loan to value at a certain amount or you lose your collateral, which is your Bitcoin. So let's say you took a loan on that $60,000. Let's just say you had a whole Bitcoin. The Bitcoin was at 60,000. They gave you 30%. So let's say they kept it 50% loan to value. The price of Bitcoin started dipping just as yours did, and it got down to 30. Well, now your loan to value still needs to stay 50%. So you would have to actually give them back 15,000 to keep that 50% loan to value, or they keep your Bitcoin.
0: Okay. You get it? i'm I'm hearing don't rent out the Bitcoin. Don't
1: rent out well, I think when you talk about renting out, I think I made a mistake. You say rent out. I talked about taking a loan against it. so you can loan you can loan against it, but you can also rent it out, which is uh some of the platforms where they give you uh interest every single month on your Bitcoin. That's what you're, staking. you're talking about staking. So staking you have to give somebody your private keys as well. And you have to trust that their employees or them won't run off with it.
0: Okay, I see. I see.
1: So, in my case, I'll just tell you about me. I'm not loaning anybody my Bitcoin to do what they want to do because the over 200% that it does every single year is much better than any 8 or 6 or 13% you can give me on a monthly basis.
0: Okay, wait, hear hear me out because this is how my brain thought. Let's say I owned one Bitcoin and I put it on Stakey, and then they use it, whatever they do, and they give me 10% on that, wouldn't I still own the one Bitcoin that would go up 200% every year?
1: You, You would if they, yes, you would. You would if you trust them. But again, this space is so new. So many things are happening. So many things are not being told out loud. There's there's no regulation. So I think I'm gonna play it safe. So but but people are doing it every single day and people are bragging about their returns. Uh, I'm not saying it's bad. I'm just saying for me and my house, I choose to just do the slow and steady. So I know that my Bitcoin is my Bitcoin because I have it and I own it, and not that you have it, and you may or may not have it in a couple of months. I can't afford to take that chance, but again. If you can do it and you can afford to do it and it's not going to be any sweat off your back if it comes up missing, then have at it.
0: <laughs> okay, Naja. when we first started talking, I thought, wow, she is really cautious with her keys and with all that. Like, But now that we've talked long enough, I'm sort of coming around to the fact that I should be very protective of this.
1: Yes, that thousand dollars because it could possibly in 2020, our next uh, scarcity move in Bitcoin is 2024. So when Bitcoin's scarcity kicks in in 2024, because less Bitcoin is being created every single 10 minutes, right now we're at 6.25. We're gonna go down to three every 10 minutes. Scarcity is gonna kick in. And shortly after that, the price of Bitcoin is going to do what it's been doing historically. It's going to go up. Supply versus demand. The guy told you about that $43, right?
0: Yeah. Yeah. Oh, man. Okay. I will post the link to that.
1: Got it. Good, good job.
0: All right. So, summary of what we've talked about today. Naja says Bitcoin, get some, keep it safe. And, Get it before 2024, because it's going to go up in 2024.
1: Yes. It's going to go up a little bit after 2024, because it's got to happen first. And then after that, people are going to be like, holy crap, I didn't get enough Bitcoin. Let me (laughs) try, And that's what's going to happen.
0: Okay, so I have kept you an hour already. So I don't want to keep you longer. Thank you so much for your time, but I do have a couple more questions. If you can spare the time.
1: I sure I can. I have, I haven't eaten lunch yet, but for you, Ethan, I will do.
0: (laughs) Oh, great. I'm between you and your dinner. Um, (laughs) uh, Okay, so this is one we can skip over because I feel like it's going to be too much to talk about, but you tell me. Um, And that's just about the environmental issue of it using electricity, et cetera, et cetera.
1: As far as Bitcoin and the environmental issue, people are really, really working hard to be conscious of their environment. We're using volcanoes to help with mining the energy power. Ways to mine, utilizing water, um, wind, solar, like there's so many different things because we are conscious. Uh, when there when there's a problem, uh, people seek to look for solutions. Again, Bitcoin's only 13 years old. We're looking for solutions. We all want to be good stewards of the earth, and so to really, and I think a lot of people when they go at us about Bitcoin, it's like they say well, like we're purposely trying to intentionally ruin the earth, and that's not really at all any, anybody's sentiments in this space. We were looking to solve a, a problem as it related to money, double spending, people being adva- taken advantage of, and Bitcoin was the means by which we did it. And now that we know that it works, and we now that we know that we're creating a problem as it relates to energy, we're working really dig- diligently to fix it. So I'm not the person that says, "Oh no, you know, Bitcoin's not doing that." It absolutely ha- is having some impact, but we're working feverishly in different, a whole lot of different capacities to really solve that issue. So I just want to say uh, that we are wanting to be good stewards. And anything that we can do to do that, we are working towards
0: it. Listening to, I think, the Investor's Podcast, but somebody asked a similar question about the environment, and the answer was to read the book, The Grid, which was about the uh, electrical infrastructure of the United States. So I did that, and I definitely came around on, oh, there's solutions to this as well. So if anybody really wants some homework on that or or wants some talking points on why it can be environmentally sustained... Uh, I recommend The Grid.
1: Yes, The Grid is an awesome read.
0: All right, so let's wrap this up. Do you have some financial advice that you would give to anybody that's starting out on their career right now, or maybe even somebody younger than that?
1: Um, So what we do understand is that young people are not working 40 years, 40 hours a week to get 40% of what they couldn't live on in the first place. Like young people are not doing that. So I would tell a young person to find your passion and find a solution around something that's similar to your passion, because going to work every day is not like work if you enjoy what you're doing. Just know that you need to take hold of that passion and make it work for you. Don't listen to, and I hate to say this, parents, I'm a parent with 10 children. Your parents can't dictate your happiness. Be happy be you, enjoy what you do. And again, when you like what you do and you go into work and doing it, it's not like work. And so just follow your dreams, follow your passion and find a way to monetize it. And I think that's what our young people are going to wind up doing in this space because our entrepreneurs are being born every day. The traditional job and workspace is changing, ladies and gentlemen. And we've got to be supportive of our kids, supportive of our dreams. They might not be the doctors and the lawyers that we wanted them to be, but just embrace who they are and what they bring, because innovation is here.
0: Is there a book or resource that has helped you learn about crypto that you could recommend to people?
1: Uh, there are several. One of the books that I would say that everyone can grab a hold of, which is a great read when they're trying to understand Bitcoin. Bitcoin, hard money, you can't F.CK with. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know if this is a podcast you can say that. Uh, That's one of the books. And one of the other books I have around here also that is a great read is called Bitcoin and Black America. And it really just kind of helps people understand why it's so important to certain communities. And then it kind of helps you understand how it could be important for you, too.
0: Fantastic. Thank you. I'll link to both of those. And I'm going to try to read both of those. Um, all right. Final question for you. Where can people connect with
1: you? I'm on social medias everywhere as Naja Roberts. So just my first and last name, Naja Roberts. I'm everywhere. Um, with that handle. So I appreciate you and I appreciate your listeners. And if you need anything, get in my DMs. I do answer my DMs and I am the crypto virgin expert. Every Monday through Friday, I teach on Clubhouse at 12 noon. My segment is called the crypto virgin hour.
0: Fantastic. All right, Naja, thank you so much for sharing all of this with us.
1: Thank you, Ethan. You have an incredible day and you start the dollar cost average. I will. I'm going to be checking on you in 2023.
0: And I'm moving things into a wallet, a private wallet that I won't take a picture of.
1: (laughs) Yes, please don't, don't, don't. All right. Well, you have an incredible rest of your day. And again, thank you.
0: That's it for this week's episode. My takeaways are invest in Bitcoin. Dollar cost average your way in. Buy the current dip, which at the time of this recording, a Bitcoin is worth $44,000. Buy before 2024 when coins will hit another scarcity event and be safe with it. If you're holding for the long term, like Naja, be sure to put it in a wallet and keep your key in a safe place. Now, Naja mentioned stacking Bitcoin. I didn't know what that meant, so I looked it up and stacking just means to buy Bitcoin regularly. So the old-fashioned way would be to say dollar cost average. The new saying is stacking sats. Sats being satoshis, which are the smallest denomination of Bitcoin, equaling one one-hundred-millionth of a full coin. The name satoshi comes from the inventor of Bitcoin, Satoshi Nakamoto. That is the stage name for the inventor who wanted to be anonymous. They purposefully stayed anonymous due to the decentralized nature of Bitcoin. How do you have a currency that can't be manipulated by governments and is instead controlled by the global population? Step one, you can't have a centralized leader. So saying all this because if you listened closely, Naja mentioned the name Craig Wright. He claims to be one of the inventors of Bitcoin, though has yet to provide evidence that he is. Now, as you know, Nicole and I do hold some Bitcoin because of the Artistic Finance 6K investing special. Naja holds Bitcoin. She encourages us all to hold some as an investment. That being said, not participating in cryptocurrency is a fine choice. You can own stock of a cryptocurrency exchange or an ETF with Bitcoin exposure. Naja points out that the upside is limited. She also made a good point that owning Bitcoin is easy. It's easier to own and upkeep than physical gold or diamonds or wine. And if you remember, our $1,000 investment of wine costs us $30 a year to keep stored and insured, so our $1,000 of Bitcoin costs us $15 in transaction fees to purchase, and we'll have to pay that again when we sell. However, the yearly cost of holding it is zero. If we keep the wine for 10 years, we'll have paid $300 in fees. If we keep the Bitcoin for 10 years, we'll have paid $30. So even if Bitcoin transaction fees go up 10 times, we'll still pay half in fees of what we paid in fees for the wine investment. Saying all that to say that if you don't own a bit of cryptocurrency, nausea is right in that it is easy to stack a little bit every month just to have a little something. If you're going to do this, any app will do. Coinbase is where we hold the artistic finance Bitcoin. They have an option where you hit buy and you can make a one-time purchase or daily, weekly, first and 15th of the month or monthly investments. So it's very easy to stack that way, perhaps $1 a day for a month. Naja said to put the Bitcoin in my own wallet, but I find Coinbase easy to navigate and I think I'm gonna keep it there. If you're a hacker listening, I am going to put it somewhere else. All right, if you want to open a Coinbase account, sign up using my referral code. I'll put it in the show notes, and if you use it, Coinbase will give us each $10 of Bitcoin. The Cash app is another one that Naja mentioned, and it makes getting Bitcoin very simple. It only has the option for Bitcoin. No other cryptocurrency, which makes it super easy. I also have a referral code for that, but you only get $5 for using the code. However, that app is quite good if you don't have it already. It's about to overtake Venmo and number of users. Cash App is basically Venmo without the newsfeed and that sort of social media feel. I also have the Black Wall Street app, which Naja co-created. It doesn't have the stacking option that Coinbase and Cash App have. Instead, you have to initiate a transaction every time you want to purchase, but it makes investing very, very simple. The only purpose of the app is to allow you to purchase Bitcoin. Coinbase has thousands of coins to choose from and you might be tempted to try some. The Cash App has transferring money between people options. The Black Wall Street app is just Bitcoin and Bitcoin investing, nothing else. So you can't go wrong. I have no affiliation with any of these apps other than it would be great if you use my referral code if you open up a Coinbase or Cash App account. If you are a patron, check out our audiobook of the Bitcoin white paper over on Patreon. That's at patreon.com/artisticfinance. It's only half an hour and it explains what makes Bitcoin so unique compared to the other 15,000 cryptocurrencies Naja mentioned. I highly recommend listening and if you do, you will know more about Bitcoin than 99% of the world, and that's not an understatement. 90% of Americans have heard of Bitcoin, Okay, so you have to be living under a rock not to have heard about it. But 50% of millennials own some Bitcoin. So Nicole and I were actually late to the game on that. And get this, 120 million people worldwide own Bitcoin, which seems like a lot, right? But there are 8 billion people on this planet, which means less than 2% of the worldwide population own Bitcoin. So all this to say, if you take the 30 minutes to listen to the white paper, you'll learn how it works and understand why Bitcoin is the coin versus all the others. And if you prefer reading, I also have the white paper PDF attached to the audio file. And know that you can also find the white paper and audio versions of it elsewhere on the web. This version just has an introduction and follow-up explanation by me. To become a patron, visit patreon.com artisticfinance Levels start at $3 a month and give you early access to episodes. Thank you so much for listening to this. I hope you learned as much as I did. That's it for today. Until next week, break a leg. Thank you for listening to Artistic Finance. Make sure to subscribe. To access our show notes, transcripts, or resources, go to artisticfinance.com. This show is for entertainment purposes only. Before making any decision, consult a professional. This show is copyrighted by Artistic Finance. Written
1: permission must be granted before syndication or rebroadcasting.